0: You're listening to the Church Boys Free Fall Q and A.
1: It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys podcast. I am excited to have on filmmaker Dallas Jenkins today. How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on. Well, you got a lot going on. You you have a new movie that is coming out, so you're in that crunch time um, that I know is very is very stressful and crazy and press and all that. Uh, but the film is the Resurrection of Gavin Stone. So. What what caught my eye about this is that, obviously, we've seen a lot of faith movies coming out of Hollywood, and movies that are inspirational and, and all that in the last couple of years. We haven't seen a lot of inspirational comedies that strike a really good balance, and so I've heard a lot of really good things about The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, and I'm excited to talk with you about it. But I guess the first place I want to start is just to ask you, you know how did this movie come about? How did you... How did you come into it? Just take me through the the origins of that. Yeah, it's a good question about comedies. Um, You know, I think when I first heard
0: about this movie, um, I was in a meeting, just a random meeting, and I was already looking for material. We already had a couple of scripts we were developing, but the meeting was about something different. At the end of it, they just mentioned um, that they'd come across this script that they liked. And when he told me the idea um, that it's about, you know, a child star who's now grown up and is kind of a washed-up celebrity, you know, wannabe, and gets into some trouble in his hometown. is sentenced to two hundred hours of community service at his local church, and that he pretends to be a Christian so that he can play the part of Jesus in their big passion play and get out of, you know, do, doing hours cleaning toilets. I instantly saw, before they even finished, you know, kind of pitching me on it. I instantly saw how this would work, and I loved the. the, the 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 possibilities for humor. Um, The fact that um, him trying to learn the language of Christianese, trying to fit in and navigate through church world when he'd never been to church, Um, I was like, this is going to be a great opportunity to poke a little fun at some of the stereotypes and traditions that are true, some of them which aren't true, uh, because some of the ones that aren't true, he's going to try to to use them to fit in, and and he'll find out that they're not. So I just immediately (laughs) knew that it was ripe for some organic humor and not, you know, not slapsticky or forced humor. And then I also saw the emotional and spiritual gut punch because I thought, yeah, by playing the part of Jesus, he's forced to learn more about him. And by being part of a church community and being on the inside of a church community that he's never experienced and receiving the kind of grace and forgiveness and welcome that he hasn't ever experienced, I thought was a really great opportunity. And then also to maybe make a statement to the church. Are we doing what we should be doing? Are we giving that unconditional grace? And if we've taken it for granted, then an outsider sometimes can help remind us of of why we, why it is we do what we do.
1: Let me ask you this because I think it's really interesting and it's, you know, in some ways um, a, a tough job, I would imagine. How do you find that balance? Because so many times when faith and comedy come together people get so upset, Christians get so upset because they feel like, oh gosh, they're making fun of us. You know, how did you strike that balance between having something, and I think, to be honest, I think the Babylon Bee does a good job of, of this usually, is you know making people laugh and, and laugh at themselves, but not crossing a line maybe. I mean, did you have to balance that at all?
0: Well, I love the Babylon Bee, and it doesn't bother me, but I think we were a little bit or a fair amount less uh, <laughs> less brutal than they are. Um, you know, there's certainly a large segment of the Christian audience who every time they see a Babylon Bee article is like, hey, wait a minute, you know. Um, and so this movie, here's, here's why I think um, we were able to pull this off, is we were also very affectionate. So, for example, there's a character in the movie who's the theological nerd. He's the one who, every time Gavin seems confused by anything, he wants to give him a whole theological treatise on, on, on what this is. He's a, what what things mean. Um, He's, you know, takes himself very seriously. He's, he's dressed like you'd expect, um, you know, the the theological guy to dress. So we're poking a little bit of fun at it. I've got some theological nerd friends who don't all dress like that, but it (laughs) it is a stereotype. Now we also made him the kindest person in the film and the most caring. And so when you do that, you're saying you're not saying oh theological nerds are irrelevant or have no place in the church. You're saying yeah he's got some he's got some quirks, but he's also genuinely kind. And so we we did that throughout the movie with different characters. Um, and I think also because the church is ultimately portrayed as a place where lives are changed and a place where Gavin gets something that he can't get anywhere else. This isn't like the Babylon B where an article stands on its own and pokes fun at a particular person. Again, I think it's hilarious. I love it. I'm not saying anything negative about it, but our movie steps out of character a little bit. We we, we satirize some things and then also make an important point that yes, church is a good place to be and a good church is a place that you can't find anywhere else. So I think that's what allowed us to pull off. And I think uh, for the non-believer too, the church outsider, um, they're seeing the movie through an outsider's perspective. So when they see... The outside, when they see something in the movie they don't understand, like a, a phrase that has that given or a scene that takes place in a place they've never been, they experience the main character feeling like he doesn't understand it either. So they don't feel like they're out of place or intimidated, and that allows them to relax and enjoy the humor. And we're also not making the statement that the outsider is such a bad guy. Like he's got some flaws, but so do some of the church people. So. I consciously, when I was doing the rewrite of the movie and, and when I was directing, I was constantly thinking, this is ultimately an affectionate look, both at the church and at the outsider.
1: No, that's great. And I think that's the, you know, I'm always intrigued by how, how filmmakers balance things. And it seems like you took a lot of care in how you presented the characters. Um, what is the key takeaway? You know, when, when people are done watching this film, what what is your goal for them? Is it just laughs? Is it a bigger message? Tell me a little bit about that. Um,
0: for sure, the final takeaway, besides just being entertained and believing that faith-based movies uh, can have a little bit more variety, that they don't all need to be um, you know, sermons set to film. And I say that affectionately, believe it or not. I believe that sermons set to film can actually be very powerful, and I don't have any problem with them whatsoever. But we need more. We need some variety. So, But, but in terms of the message, I want churchgoers to walk away thinking, are we doing everything that we can be to be welcoming and to be graceful and to be forgiving? Um, you know, Do we take for granted sometimes how we come across to outsiders? Do we take for granted the story of Jesus? Gavin brings an element to the story of Jesus because of his outsider's perspective. He brings a little bit more humanity and care and, and less of the stiff and formal Jesus that we sometimes see in church productions or movies. And so I, I think that the church characters have something to learn as well. And so I want the church to come away from that. But, but, but also, and just as or more importantly, church outsiders uh, can relate to the main character. And I want them to come away from this film believing and understanding that church can be a great place and that church can be a place where lives can be changed. And maybe it's a little different than what they expected. And so there's a key line at the end of the movie that sums up everything that I've said, probably in a much better way than I said it, um, which is, <laughs> Gavin experiences um, a forgiveness for a big wrongdoing and not giving anything away, but it's, he does something wrong. He, he, he asks, um, you know, he apologizes and they give him this instant, unconditional forgive forgiveness. And he doesn't get it. He doesn't have a lane for that. And he says, why is this happening? And she says, the pastor's daughter says, this is what we do. And that line, which came to be on the set while we were filming, um, and and uh, you know I immediately knew it was a God breathed thing, and it became became the subject of my pastor James McDonald's sermon series. This is what we do, and that we love without condi- we, we we welcome without judgment, we love without condition, and we forgive without limit. And if we're not doing that, we should be. And so that's ultimately a message that I want both the church and the outsiders to get.
1: I love that. No, and I, and I think that's an important you know really important message, and it's. Really been fun and interesting to watch the last few years since 2014, which was the whole year of the Bible and the explosion of films and faith films. I think we're really seeing Hollywood on the movie side move more towards faith-friendly. Obviously, a lot of a lot of these films are outside of the Hollywood normal Hollywood bubble, but we're starting to see things happen inside. Not all of them have been great, but there's some interesting attempts going on. Um, now, I wanted to ask you when it comes to Christian films, a lot of people. Even on the Christian side tend to be very negative. They will say, "Oh, the film either feels too preachy or it's corny or it's not well well done. You know, what do you think overall about Christian film and why do you think people I mean and, and obviously a lot of people love these films too, but why is there that diversity of view and sometimes that harshness in assessing some of these movies?" Well,
0: when The Passion of the Christ was a huge success, on Monday morning, every studio in Hollywood was saying, oh my goodness, what have we missed and how do we get more of this? And they were more open to faith-based movies than ever before, and they looked out into the faith-based world for storytellers and directors and whatnot, and there was few to no one out there. Um, you know, I grew up in the church. I remember when the notion of being a filmmaker was not only not talked about, it wasn't even encouraged, it was discouraged the relationship between the church and Hollywood was very tenuous and usually only revealed itself in the form of a boycott. So there haven't been a generation. My generation was raised to to make great films. That's starting to change. um, And slowly, but surely the films are getting a little bit better. Um, But still there is an element of the faith-based film market where the film is made solely for the message. And because of that, there's not much effort, Or time spent on becoming a good craftsman. And I say that as someone who struggled myself. I still have a long way to go. I got off to a really slow start in my filmmaking career
1: um,
0: and just tried to get better with each film. So I think some of the biases against faith based films are legitimate. Um, You know, even uh, sometimes when I see a good faith based film, um, you know, I, I have to acknowledge, and even some of the films I've made for sure, I have to acknowledge that's good for a faith based film not necessarily in a vacuum as great as a movie that I would normally see in the theater. And I have to admit that. Um, So I think it just takes more and more people um, getting into film with not only having a message in mind, but wanting to make it um, great storytelling and a legitimately good film, even if it didn't have a message, it would be good. Um, Because then the message is that much more impactful and reaches that many more people. And I think, for instance, as the resurrection of Gavin Stone, as we've seen with test screenings all over the country, um, you know, don't take it from me because I, I obviously have a bias, but we're hearing anonymous cards. We're hearing tons of comments of people saying, I actually enjoyed this movie or I didn't think I would like it, but I ended up liking it. Um, and I think that's because again, the humor helps a lot. It takes the sting out of it a little bit, but I think the, I think the cast, I think we assembled a really great cast that I'm really proud of, um, but we still it a long way to go. I still it a long way to go, but I think that slowly but surely, we can get better. And as the audiences support the wider variety of faith-based movies that they do like them to really spread the word about them and vote with their dollar, um, it's just going to continue to grow. Because I know I've been in the studio meetings. They're open, they're a little skeptical, they're a little confused, but there are people out there who are saying, hey, bring me something great and we'll do it.
1: Yeah. And I think too, it's, you know, it's so easy to compare these big studios who are making, have been making films for you know, decades upon decades to these newer Christian movie houses that are trying to and and, you know producers and directors who are trying to do stuff without that backing in history I mean there's that whole factor too right of the experience that people have but it is interesting to see Miracles from Heaven and some of these other movies kind of go through the major studio side of things um so that that's been intriguing and I'm excited to see what happens with your film now I wanted to ask you just one or two more quick questions and one obviously creativity runs in your family your father um, co-wrote the mm-hmm. left Behind series uh Jerry jenkins and w- for me just take me through how you got into film what was the touch point for you because i know you started young um in film you know how deep did that passion go and you know take me through some of the steps you took to get where you are now
0: well i i started young um making films i mean i was 25 when i produced my first film and But I started old when it comes to watching and learning about films. And that's what I actually regret is, I mean, obviously, the Lord had his hand in all of it. But I grew up wanting to be in sports of some kind, whether it's as a broadcaster or as as an athlete. And when my dad started introducing me to great films when I was in high school, eighth eighth grade, ninth grade, he started showing me movies like The Godfather, um, you know, some of the classics of all time, I thought, huh. And then I saw One floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, Made in the 70s with Jack Nicholson, and I thought that's what I want to do. And so I got a late start. I mean, some of most of the great filmmakers of all time were watching movies when they were kids and were just absorbing cinema. And that wasn't me. And I think that I think it's reflected in my first few films for sure. As I was uh, told by my filmmaking mentor, Scott Derrickson, who directed Doctor Strange and is a very, very successful filmmaker and a Christian, Uh, he just told me, You're an amateur. You know, after my very first feature film that I directed, Midnight Clear, which I like and and I think I I showed some promise and I think, you know, I got some decent responses, but uh, it's not great filmmaking. It's, you know, the the visuals are just kind of weak. And he told me that. He said, you're an amateur. And the thing that changed my life was when I uh, I decided to listen and and believe him. And so um, I think that I always had this desire to tell stories because of my dad. Um, But... Learning the language of cinema and how to use cinema to tell stories. Um, I think I started a little late in the game, but as I, I think each movie has gotten better. And then honestly, I work at a church now. I was, you know, in 2010, I was hired by Harvest Bible Chapter to make movies there. And um, even though our first one didn't come out until now, um, I was doing a lot of other things in the meantime that I'd never done before, telling testimonial videos, uh, six minute stories of people's lives being changed. Uh, uh, you know, in our church, uh, short films. And it was the short film that got me the Resurrection of Gavin Stone. It was a short film that got the attention of one of the biggest producers in Hollywood um, that I made for our church's Christmas Eve service. So all of those things have just helped me become a better, better storyteller, but I, did, you know, I didn't start out that way for sure.
1: Yeah, well, no, it's, it's amazing, and it's, it's a fascinating journey, and I appreciate you coming out and sharing. We'd love to have you back again, and I wish you the most success in the coming days of the film. Thanks so
0: much for having me on. I really appreciate
1: it. (laughs) Thanks a lot.